Chapter 5 of The Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Homesteader by Oscar Michaud. Chapter 5 Epic the First When the Indians Shot the Town Up. The claim of Jean-Baptiste, containing 160 acres of land, adjoined the little town of Dallas on the north, and it was one of the surprises that Agnes Stewart had not wandered into it when she found the sod house and had later found Jean-Baptiste in the snow. The town had been started the winter before. A creek of considerable depth and plenty of water ran to the south of it a half-mile, and up this valley the promoters of the town contended that the railroad would build. It came up the same valley, many miles below, where at a way station it suddenly lifted out of it and sought the higher land to bone steel. Now the promoters because the railroad company owned considerable land where the tracks left the valley to ascend to the highland, contended that it was the purpose of the railroad to split the trade country by coming up the valley, and that was why the town had been located where it was, on a piece of land that had once belonged to an Indian. There were three other towns, platted by the government along a route that did not strike Dallas, and if the railroad should continue the route it was following where its tracks stopped west of Bonesteel, it was a foregone conclusion that it must hit the three government town sites. This had ever been, and was, the great contention in the early days of the country of our story. But to get back to the characters in question, we must come back to the little town near the Creek Valley. The winter preceding, when the town had been started, men had chosen to cast their lot with it, and by the time spring arrived there was a half-dozen or more business places represented. From Des Moines a man had come and started a lumber-yard, while from elsewhere a man had cooperated with the promoters in establishing a bank. Two men, whose reputations were rather notorious, but who nevertheless were well fitted for what they chose, started a saloon. From a town that had no railroad in the state on the south, a man came with a great stock of merchandise. A weazened creature had been made postmaster, while a doctor, belickered until he was uncertain, had come hither with a hope of redemption, and had hung out his shingle. He was succeeding in the game of reform, as the best customer the saloon had. A tired man was conducting a business in a building that had been hauled many miles and was being used as a hotel. Many other lines of business were expected— but at this time the interest was largely in who the settlers were that had come, and those who were to come. A beautiful quarter section of land joined the town on the east, and the man who had drawn it had already established his residence thereupon, so that he was known. On the south the land was the allotment of an Indian, 
while the same was true on the west. Naturally, when it was reported that a negro held the place on the north, considerable curiosity prevailed to meet this lone Ethiopian. But Jean Baptiste was a mixer, a jolly good fellow of the best type, and by this time such was well known. As to where he had come from, we know, but his name had occasioned much comment because it was odd. To make it more illustrious, the settlers had added Saint. So he was now commonly known as Saint Jean-Baptiste. The doctor, whose name was Slater, had improved even upon this. He called him Saint John the Baptist. But nobody took Doc very seriously. So full was he of red liquor most of the time that he was regarded as a joke except in his profession. Here he was considered one of the best, his redeeming feature. The coal the homesteader had hauled from Bonesteel was not all for himself, but for the lumber yard which sold it at fifteen dollars a ton, and the quality was soft and not of the best grade at that. He hauled it into town the morning following the episode of our story, and after unloading it and taking his check for the hauling returned home took care of his stock and upon returning to town forgot to relate anything concerning his experiences perhaps he forgot jean baptiste could be depended upon to forget some things especially the things that were best forgotten he walked across the quarter-mile that lay between his claim and the town and up to the saloon Inside, he encountered the usual crowd, Doc among them. "'Hello there, St. John the Baptist,' cried that one in belickered delight. "'Did you crawl through all that storm?' "'I'm here,' laughed Baptiste. "'How's Doc?' "'Finer and a fiddle, both ends in the middle,' and called for another drink, just one. It is said that saloons would not be so bad if it was not for the treating nuisance. Well, Doc could be regarded here then as practical, for he never bought others a drink. See, you got your nose freezed, Baptiste, Doc laughed. Baptiste went toward the bar, took a look at himself, and laughed amusedly upon seeing the telltale darkness at the point of his nose, his cheeks, and his forehead. "'To hell, I didn't know that,' he muttered. The crowd laughed. "'Play you a game of casino?' suggested Doc. "'You're on,' cried Baptiste. After they had played a while, a Swede, who lived across the creek, entered, took a seat, and drawing his chair near, watched the game. Presently he spoke. "'The Indians are coming in today, so I guess there will be a shooting up the town.' The players paused and regarded each other apprehensively. Others overheard the remark and now exchanged significant glances. This had been the one diversion of the long winter. Indians who lived on the creek, coming into town, getting drunk, and then as a sally ride up and down the main street and shoot up the town. The last time this had taken place, the bartender's wife had been frightened into hysterics, and thereupon the bartender had sworn that the next time this was attempted they would have to reckon with him. 
The few people about became serious. They knew the bartender was dangerous, and they feared the Indians, breeds mostly, who made this act their pastime. They were annoyed with such doings, but were inclined to lay the blame at the saloon door, for although the law decreed that Indians should not be sold liquor, they were always allowed to purchase all that they could possibly carry away with them inside and out. So upon this announcement, those about prepared themselves for excitement. The news quickly spread, and to augment the excitement, a few minutes later the breeds in full regalia dashed into town. They tied their horses at the front and proceeded at once to the bar. "'Whiskey!' they cried, shifting their spurred boots on the barroom floor. "'Sorry, boys, but I can't serve you,' advised the bartender carelessly. "'What?' they cried. "'Can't serve you. It's again the law, you know.' "'To hell with the law!' exclaimed one. "'I didn't make it,' muttered the bartender." "'You've been playing hell and forcing it,' retorted another. "'Now don't get rough, my worthy,' cautioned the bartender. "'Give us what we called for. None of this damn slush, then,' cried one, toying with the gun at his holster. The bartender observed this and got closer to the bar for a purpose. Those about, being of the peaceful kind, began shifting toward the door." "'We've been breaking the law to serve you,' said the bartender, "'and you've been breaking the law after we done it. "'Now the last time you were here you pulled off a stunt that caused trouble. "'So I'll not serve you whiskey, and advise you that if you try shooting up the town again, there'll be trouble.' "'Oh, is that so?' cried the bunch. "'Well,' sniffed one, who was more forward than the rest, "'we'll just show you a trick or two. And remember, when we've shot your little chicken coops full of holes, we are going to return and be served. With a hilarious laugh, they went outside, got into the saddles, and had their fun. The population took refuge in the cellars in awed silence. It was over in a few minutes, and the breeds, true to their statement, returned to the saloon and stood before the bar. Whiskey! they cried and couldn't repress a grin. Ordinarily they were cowards, and their boldness had surprised even themselves. "'Whiskey?' said the bartender, nodding toward the speaker. "'That's my order!' the other cried uproariously. The bartender arranged several bottles in a row. This they did not understand at first. They did, however, a moment later. "'Very well,' he cried of a sudden, as his eyes narrowed, whereupon, with deliberation, he caught the bottles one by one by the neck, and as fast as he could let go, threw the same into the faces before him with all the force he could concentrate quickly. So quickly was it all done that those before him had not had time to duck below the bar before many had been the recipients of the deluge.' Within the minute, there was a wild scramble for the door, all but three. For while the others disappeared over the hill toward the creek, Dr. Slater took thirty stitches or thereabouts in the faces of the recalcitrants. 
End of chapter 5 Epic the First When the Indians Shot the Town Up